This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. The only podcast gets you Bronx bombed on a Thursday afternoon in the offseason. I am Adam Weinrib. Alongside Thomas Carinante, the Philadelphia Phillies up 2-0 in their quest to make it back to the World Series. The Houston Astros fought back on the road yesterday. That series is 2-1 Texas, but it doesn't really feel like it. And the New York Yankees are still stuck at home, chilling, waiting for the offseason to commence, waiting to pick up those egos they checked at the door, holding their coat check tickets, being like, no, I think I'm 2-9-3. No, no, I don't want Nick Swisher's ego. No, no, 2-9-3. So we're still waiting on the Yankees to make some moves, but that doesn't mean they're out of the spotlight. The Los Angeles Dodgers certainly sound like the Yankees this week. I'll tell you that much right now. If you haven't been listening to what's coming out of L.A., after that team had another organizational failure, their words, not mine, in the postseason, they're in run-it-back mode. Dave Roberts is coming back. Andrew Friedman's not going anywhere. He's not acknowledging he made any roster-building mistakes. If you're sick and tired of the Yankees, recommend you listen to the Dodgers who are saying the exact same things. It's not just New York disease. A lot of the discourse this week has been about whose model the Yankees should copy. What's the best way to build a roster built for October? Andy Martino of SNY specifically set us off here by saying the Phillies model is completely unreplicable. I don't agree with that. I think the Yankees from 2004, 5, 6, 7, 3, 2, all those early 2000s years, they kind of did the Phillies model, right? They made the World Series during that. They made the playoffs every year. Sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. I don't know. We'll talk about that. It's not always that easy to be young and athletic. You got to pick first overall a whole bunch of times like the Diamondbacks. Plus, Jim Bowden, former GM, pits the Yankees as the Juan Soto favorites, and his trade packages leave something to be desired. And both Anthony's Volpe and Rizzo are in the gold glove finalist category. We'll either take home the honor. Thanks for hanging out with us live at 2 o'clock Eastern every Monday, Thursday. Find us live on YouTube now and on all podcast platforms in the aftermath. Drop us a five-star review if you want. Put a mailbag question in there. We're happy to answer it. Don't do what somebody did, which is go to my personal Facebook and write an angry comment on a post that was not related to Yanks Go Yard. Uh, that will not get you a kind response. I uh, have an email address. I have, a, I have an X account. There's like a bunch of ways you can talk to me uh, that are not like going to my Facebook wall on my birthday and being like, you'll buy this journalism hack. Like, all right, I'm probably not going to interact with you there but if you want to email me or, or hop into the comments or hop on twitter both thomas carinante and myself are here to do that uh, it was a long day last night official podcast mascot biscuit uh woke up seven to eight times just licking his own foot so we'll muddle through this but before <laughs> we do a show thomas carinante i think you got a special offer for the folks yeah what's up everybody thanks for tuning in uh caesar sportsbook once again back running a new sign up offer that you're not going to want to miss especially if you're looking to make that cash new customers can get their first bet on caesars covered up to one thousand dollars all you got to do is use the code ygy1000 while signing up again ygy1000 not only will that first bet be covered by caesars but you will be directly supporting this podcast we have fun with you you have fun with us you get some free money. Seems like a good deal. If you haven't yet joined Caesar Sportsbook, now is the perfect time to make the move. Please do it. Just remember to use that code YGY1000 during signup and place that first bet. The offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer. Um, I was at Caesar's AC last week, two weeks ago, playing some craps. Um 
and this old lady was playing craps next to me and two of my buddies and the dice came up to us and it was our turn to roll. And she looked at all three of us and goes, you guys suck at rolling dice and walked away and took all of her money. So that was my experience with Caesars. I did win a bunch of money though. So I would recommend that the sports book there is incredible. TVs are gigantic. Um, a great time if you don't run into that old lady. Um, but we showed her, I rolled a couple seven. So um, got the you, you hung out with Elizabeth Caesar at the table. <laughs> Heir to the Caesar Caesar's wife. I, uh, I mean, yeah, my first time in Atlantic City was like a month ago. I was shocked how nice it was. Like, you, you get off the train and you're immediately like, oh, these buildings are huge and fancy. Like, nobody told me. I thought this place was terrible. It kind of is. I guess. If you're if you're going into like, yeah, you, it depends where you are. But, yeah, some, some of the hotels are nice. Caesars is a nice one. Borgata is a nice one. Uh, Ocean. You got some good ones there. You can enjoy yourself for sure. Well, hopefully the Yankees will shop at the Borgata more than the Atlantic City bus stop. Uh, moving <laughs> forward, look, all we have right now is to watch the Philadelphia Phillies dominate and be jealous of them. And we'll we'll talk, I mean, plenty about what it feels like to watch a team just eviscerate another yeah. one with a, a relentless, unstoppable offense. And, oh, by the way, they have Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, too. And, oh, by the way, they called up Bryson Stott last year, and he's now a starting infielder on a World Series caliber team. And, oh, they printed a bullpen. Dave Nebraska has not had to build a bullpen. Well, one of their draft picks from last year is already in the back end of the bullpen this October, Orion Kirkering. This segment of which playoff team's model would you copy? I don't know. Honestly, I don't think there's another answer other than the Phillies here. But the basis was Andy Martino's tweet the other day. SNY did a segment. Obviously, SNY still, they're doing what we're doing too. They're like, oh, the Mets are out of it. The Yanks are out of it. How do we talk about the playoffs and try to formulate it? And again, sorry to our one commenter. We are still talking about the Yankees. <laughs> we said we might not. We appreciated the heads up. Hey, guys, stop talking about the Yankees so much. Oh, we decided yeah. to do it again. We're, we're doing it again on, on Thursday. So we're, we're still talking about the Yankees. Um, but, yeah, this is based around SNY doing a segment, you know, can the Mets and Yankees learn anything here? And Andy Martino unequivocally said, no, they can't copy the Phillies model. Quote, athleticism, defense, and versatility over bats, still the best path. Phillies have a special vibe going, but if anyone tried to duplicate that roster construction, the results would likely be atrocious. Good discussion with Todd and Sal. I guess I didn't need to read that part. But <laughs> um, look, bottom line here. Uh, Dave Dabrowski is a special executive, and Thomas and I endorse Dave Dabrowski maybe more than any other non-Phillies podcast. I can't believe the Red Sox fired him. I can't believe the Red Sox are going to hire Craig Breslow to be their GM, like a, a pitching coordinator of the Cubs and former Red Sox. Early. Hey, do whatever you're going to do. They might still hire a chief executive over him or, or whatnot. Um, but Dombrowski is the best at what he does. So do I trust Dombrowski to build a Phillies-like roster through free agency more than Brian Cashman? Of course. But what did he do? He, he, he spent a big, fat chunk of money on people who destroy baseballs. Uh, did he neglect defense in the process? I wouldn't say that. I would say Nick Castellanos is bat forward. Kyle Schwarber is bat forward. But there are plenty of defensive pieces on Johan Rojas plays center field uh, like a rookie as a madman. Bryson Stott is an excellent defender. Trey Turner at short. Don't let the errors fool you. He certainly accepts more. Real Muto behind the plate 
Guns runners down the best catcher in baseball. Also happens to have 20 homer power. It's not like defense is a non-factor. It's just that every time he acquired somebody, he said, can they fucking hit? And they can. And most importantly, they intrinsically connect with the city of Philadelphia. So is this a one-of-a-kind roster that would work in Philly and wouldn't work elsewhere? I don't know. I think all these Northeast cities would welcome this kind of thing. New York, Boston, like just because it's Philadelphia specific doesn't mean it's not hard scrabble. Like this doesn't feel like a Dodgers team, but this would be perfectly at home anywhere in the Northeast corridor, Baltimore, Washington. This just feels like a cold weather baseball team that rolls out of bed in October. And uh, he has done the very difficult in splurging in free agency, but finding a whole bunch of free agents who like respect each other and who play really well off each other. It's tangibles and intangibles. He doesn't go to the market and just buy a bunch of pieces that are incongruous. He goes to the market and buys people that play well together and want to win for each other and their city. So is this model impossible to replicate? No. The Yankees have always traditionally prospered when they spend. Same with the Texas Rangers this year. That's why they're here. The Yankees are never drafting first overall for three straight years. Never. But what they can do is build a farm system and supplement it through massive free agent deals that play well off each other like what's going on in Philadelphia. And in case you're still torn on whether the Yankees can replicate this or not, Kevin Long, Yankee. Rob Thompson, Yankee. Bryce Harper wanted to be a Yankee. Kyle Schwarber, who we'll talk about in a bit. Brian Cashman, supposed white whale. Not only could they have replicated this, they had all these people in their shopping cart and then lost out on a few of them. So they basically had the opportunity to, but didn't do it first. Uh, good for the Diamondbacks, balling on a budget, Jordan Lawler, Corbin Carroll, all these top picks. Like, Yankees need a scouting department that's able to recognize diamonds in the rough and find stars at 23, 24. But they're never picking first. They're never picking first two of three years in a row. They are never going to be able to build this athletic roster, 15, 20 homer power all around the diamond, move these pieces around interchangeable. No, they need to be the Phillies. If they can't be the Phillies, they're not winning another World Series anytime soon. If they can't be the Phillies, then what are they? Uh, I mean, personally, I would like to be like the Houston Astros. Not the cheating stuff, but the international scouting. Yeah. The drafting, even after um, those uh, those top picks. Um, and then the cultivation of talent, um, and maintaining, like we, we talked earlier this year, we had the series against the Braves. Everyone's like, Oh man, why don't, why don't we just be the Braves? Wouldn't that be fucking sick? And it's like, yeah, you can't like the Braves have their own weird thing going on. That's not what a team like the Yankees can do the Phillies. And this is what I think this is an easy point to dissent, to make a headline and make an actual point. But I don't think Martino did that because the Yankees aren't athletic. The Yankees don't have speed. The Yankees don't play defense. So what are you arguing? You're just arguing that a different team other than the Phillies would be better than this version of the Phillies. If the like, I don't that that's where he kind of lost me. But what the Phillies have done is exactly what the Yankees can do and have done. The Yankees don't draft well. They don't scout international free agents particularly particularly well they don't make blockbuster trades and and uh uh get the, most of their resources out of that 
Um, they don't have a whole lot of homegrown talent, no matter, you know, however you want to look at it. So the next option, which the Yankees have done historically outside of the dynasty is to buy. And even during the dynasty years, they bought, they made blockbuster trades. They made free agent signings in conjunction with the core four. Um, but in the modern day era, when the Yankees have realized everything is kind of cascaded, they haven't had any draft picks that have come through except for Brett Gardner. Aaron Judge and now Anthony Volpe. And I don't think one year of Volpe tells us anything. Um, the international free agents largely have not been good for the amount of money that they've spent on that front. The trades, Cashman has traded nothing for nothing, time and time again. Top prospects who turned out bad for major leaguers who are probably just as bad or just as irrelevant. So I look at the Phillies and you could have had any of these guys at any different points. Even, even the, the uh, regime that predated Dave Dombrowski still signed Zach Wheeler and Bryce Harper. That's what got this. They drafted Aaron Nola. They drafted Bryson Stott. All of this was already like somewhat in place. Obviously, the Phillies had their struggles from, what was it, 2011 until – uh, until Bryce, but even then, when Bryce came to town, they weren't a playoff team yet. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, last year was their first yeah. playoff season. Um, so at the way that you look at it this way, with all the free agents the Yankees have passed on, with all of the payroll cutting the Yankees have done, the Phillies just managed it. Do I think that the Yankees need to sign a new free agent every single year? to a mega contract not exactly i think if you do your job correctly you can do that once every three years and still be fine um but what the phillies did was they had an infrastructure kind of already built and then dave dombrowski came in to fine-tune everything else and make a couple of big splashes where he saw fit and that's essentially what the yankees should be doing they should be righting wrongs by spending a little bit of money they should be bringing in the top talent that wants to be there for uh, for Martino to say defense and athleticism, the Yankees have constantly disregarded that with lesser talent than Bryce Harper or Kyle Schwarber. So and that's why I'm like, the, you're talking about the Blue Jays. They they yeah. tried they took an offense apart this offseason and tried to emphasize defense and versatility, and it did not work. What the Phillies' model is is they've made Philadelphia appealing again. Yeah. That's the model. Dave Dombrowski has sold the city of Philadelphia. To Castellanos, Schwarber, Turner, everybody who's joining Bryce Harper. The Yankees need to sell the Yankees to free agent classes and to the trade market. Aaron Judge is your Bryce Harper. Now go and find a bunch of people who fit around him. Anthony Rizzo is a good start. That's the Phillies model. Make New York a destination again. Yeah, they the, the biggest thing for me with them is they play well together. They have a definitive and tangible energy. Um, and they have that attitude where it's totally cocky and totally like an FU type of vibe, but it's not as boisterous as, you know, some of these other teams that will talk shit and then have to eat it. Um, they know they're good. They, they play and rise to the occasion as if they are just that. And they let the play back up at everything in between. And the Yankees are a team that famously does not do that and haven't done that in a while. So I don't know what the Phillies model was spending money, finding the right personalities, playing a couple guys out of position um, on the surface. Is that the best formula? Um, 
in a vacuum, no. You need to have the right guy in the decision-making chair to make to 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 put it all together. The Yankees have not. Dave Dombrowski has a knack for this. He's did it. He's done it in Detroit. He's done it in Boston, and now he's done it in Philly. So clearly, this works if the right person is calling the shots. The Yankees having this many people slip through their cl- clutches, and I, we don't even have to talk about Harper because I did see. People on Twitter were saying, you know, it's it's low-hanging fruit at this point. You're beating the dead horse talking about Bryce Harper. And sure, I, I would partially agree with that. It still hurts that he wanted to be here. He was willing to change positions as time went on to accommodate himself on the roster. But, like, give me a fucking break with Kyle Schwarber. He's less than 20 – he costs less than $20 million a year. The Yankees have been playing nobody in left field for three years. Kyle Schwarber could have played 100 games there. You could have done your whole – platoon BS where you had Miguel Andujar out there for a little while, Aaron Hicks out there for a little while, Clint Frazier out there for whatever you wanted to do. Kyle Schwarber could have logged a hundred games. He would have hit 40 something home runs for you. He would have been another lefty bat breaking up judge and Stanton in the middle of that lineup. And it would have made all the difference. He's a clutch postseason hitter. He is literally, in my opinion, watching that entire playoff run that year. The reason the Cubs won that world series, he came back from a torn ACL that year only appeared in the world series and was the clear difference maker. He batted like 400 and and one dot OPS the the entire seven game series. Um, someone like that who Cashman had coveted, who was a clear fit, maybe not the best defensive fit, but was absolutely the lineup fit. And the crazy part about it is like his player profile, three true co- three true outcomes, is exactly what the Yankees have acquired, but with worse players. So they drew the line at Kyle Schwarber at this point where they're like, you know, we have too many of these redundant players. We're not going to go out and spend 19 million a year on the one that is clearly above and beyond better than everybody else. So if the Yankees had added one, like I think if the Yankees had added Zach Wheeler, who they tried to trade for at one point and never did and signed Kyle Schwarber, we're talking about an entire different history of Yankees baseball. And we don't even have to talk about the misses on Machado. If you want Harper, if you want, Max Scherzer, the 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 uh, gener- you know the the free agency, the what five six free agencies prior, if you want, yeah. like John you, Lester, yeah. Zone in on those two guys of the modern era when you clearly needed the help for this window. The win- I'll I'll just start it in 2017, and you could take away the bigger names that everybody's crying about. Insert two of these non-costly. They, they, they cost forty million a year total for a number two starter and one of the best you know lefty. DH power hitters in the league. And that's where, and, and I don't understand how that was, they couldn't accommodate that. That was, you look at all the contracts around the league. Those are all bargains. At one point, there was a time when Schwarber was like a $10 million player when he went to the nationals. And that was the off season that they supposedly had him in their sights. Finally, they've coveted him for so long. Now he's been non-tendered. Now we can make our move. And they deemed that he was not a $10 million player. You want lineup balance. You want power. No one's ever been more of a Yankee than Kyle Schwarber. Stick him in the, you know, very easy to, you know, I guess it's Stanton. I guess Stanton's the issue there. They couldn't stomach him in left field, but left field at Yankee Stadium, not really like a, a real tough, you know, place place to play. I, I feel like you could probably stick him in there. Or judge in center, Schwarber and right. Do whatever you want to do, yeah. do, whatever you have to do to get him in the lineup. Um, in terms of Schwarber versus Nathan Evaldi, these are just two near misses who both could have been on this year's Yankees team. Schwarber, of course, you could have signed him in 2021 for the one year, then kept him long-term. Evaldi wanted to come to the Yankees this offseason, 
He only costs $17 million a year for only two years. He's a bona fide postseason performer, unlike really anybody else. In the, Nobody is like him. He, when the lights are brightest, steps up. He occasionally doesn't complete 130, 140 innings in a season. He gets hurt. He has to take a month off. Whatever. As long as he's available in October, his October starts and relief appearances are worth your $17 million. Um, so it's a tough one, but for me, it's Schwarber, right? Yeah. They can – you want Nathan Avaldi in October. You don't need Nathan Avaldi in July. You can mimic him. You can sign an equivalent. You could hope he has the October pedigree. Aaron Nola. You want to spend long term on Aaron Nola this offseason, you could do that. Schwarber is irreplaceable. He's also an irreplaceable teammate. Look what he did in Boston in 2021. Everybody credits him in Philadelphia for being the galvanizing force in that locker room, almost more so than Harper. Could have been ours. If Cashman really coveted him, it was very easy to get to the finish line here. He would have made a bigger difference in pinstripes than arguably anyone except for Bryce Harper, who's been available in recent seasons. Harper, Seeger, Kyle Schwarber are my top three, to be honest. Um, and the, the Schwarber thing, Red Sox fans have Red Sox brain disease, where while he was in Boston, they were calling him Kyle from Waltham. He galvanized them. He created a playoff run. They're in the ALCS, two games away from the World Series, with a shit roster because Kyle Schwarber is there, playing first base, playing the outfield, playing both poorly, but bringing the offense to the finish line spectacularly. And as soon as he leaves, Red Sox fans are like, ever seen him play defense? People are like Red Sox sure miss Schwarber, and they're like, I thought don't don't you guys want our defense to get better? How would we do that with Kyle Schwarber? He wasn't he literally your mayor two years ago. He was literally <laughs> your mayor. He was the centerpiece of a team that almost won the World Series. <laughs> Nobody forgets faster than those morons. But if he was in New York, it would have been the same thing. You'd be occasionally frustrated with his defense. There'd be two weeks where he's not homering, and you'd be like, did we really need this guy to hit 150? Uh, and then October lights turn up. He, he like, finds a song. He plans a celebration. He changes the clubhouse. He starts a tradition. He brings in a Viking helmet or whatever. He is Todd Frazier, except for he hits 50 home runs and has access to a short porch and can laser baseballs to the front row. He might have hit 60 here. And he's a lefty. This one, you know, I forgive you if you didn't see it after he was non-tendered. But I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not paid to do this. Everyone who's paid to acquire players knows what Kyle Schwarber brings intangibly to a clubhouse. And then tangibly, pop, the Yankees don't have an outfielder. They don't have a third outfielder right now. So add 50 home runs from Kyle Schwarber. Could have helped. And you want to, And this team loves bargains, don't they? DJ LeMahieu was a bargain signing after um, the 2017 season. Um or the, what was it, 2018? Yeah, 2018 season. Yeah. Uh, why would you not pick up Kyle Schwarber after he was going to be non-tendered? Why was why would that be, what, what, how is that affecting your spending? It was a $10 million contract with the Nationals. Why would you not consider trading for him at that deadline, after the deadline? Why would you let the Red Sox get him? I know we interrupted the Red Sox by getting Anthony Rizzo, but you, know, you look at all the opportunities they had to get, someone like Kyle Schwarber, especially on a discount, because we're talking about all these other similar scenarios where the Yankees wait and wait and wait, and then they end up paying top dollar for somebody they could have had for either cheaper or they could have had on the flyer deal. They could have, You could have had Cody Bellinger on the flyer deal. You opted not to do it. 
Do I disagree with it? Not necessarily, but definitely don't sign him to an eight-year, $200 million contract now. Don't sign Jordan Montgomery. I mean, do it if you're willing to not have money be an issue, but like, yeah, now you let somebody else figure out what was wrong with Jordan Montgomery. Now you're going to be in the sweepstakes for him this offseason when he's going to cost the most he's ever cost when you had the opportunity to sign him to a contract extension and have it be you know, somewhat favorable for the foreseeable future. Um, Schwarber is the number one answer here. I know that pitching did affect the Yankees um, in 2017 and 2018 um, and honestly every other year in their playoff runs. But um, more times than not, it's been the offense going dead silent. Uh, you you need some sort of a balance. To me, the Yankees largely um, uh, disadvantaged starting pitching staff did what they had to do in those playoff runs, and they didn't have the support from the offense. And if you get – a couple of home runs from Schwarber every series that is exponentially more than you're get than you're getting from the rest of the roster based on what we've seen. It's just it's just literally based on what we've witnessed since 2017. The offense going silent. They're kind of being no life to the roster. Um, you know, the only life we saw was Judge rolling through Fenway with the boom box, and then they got their asses kicked for two more, you know, two yeah. straight games. Don't do that. Um, they never back it up. They're never feared by any opponent. Um, just look at the way Texas handled them in the first two games of the ALCS. Like you, I would, I would dream if the Yankees could do that. Even if they lost the first one back at home, like you rewind back to last year's ALCS, the, the moves that we decided to make in that game that were playing as if we were trying to make it last seven games. It's a tie game, and you're going to Clark Schmidt in the middle of that one. And then you Clark Schmidt gets out of a crazy jam. And then you try to steal outs with Clark Schmidt again. Yeah. And then you wanted to bring who, who came in after him Montas. at that point? What? Wasn't it Frankie Montas? No, somebody else came in in between Montas came in after it was completely, it was completely botched, but was it the tree of dog. Let me look yeah, at Lou Trevino. Lou Trevino was waiting in the wings. We're like, great. This guy is the master of That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah. Handle, handling these situations. Clark gives up the lead and then you bring in Trevino to not be able to use him the next day. It's like this, te- the, the, there's no feel on so many levels with this team. Um, and like I said, if you have a shred of offense, you're not even in that position to have Aaron Boone consider, you know, having to manage a marathon. He'll be managing to win that game and win that game only. So there's, you know, there's always a million parts to these equations, but um, something as obvious as Kyle Schwarber, which everybody was, you know, kind of clamoring for for a while. I did find an article we wrote that there were better free agent options than Kyle Schwarber um, that one offseason. Um, so I do want to go back to that and read it. But we've always been pro Schwarber. I will say that. Maybe we deviated for a second. but If there were better ones, we didn't sign them either, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let's see. Let me pull this up. Yeah, whoever they are. I mean, you want to talk about classic, like, organizational incompetence, though. Uh, it's not just us anymore. Uh, the, the Los Angeles Dodgers have entered the chat. If you have not seen the quotes coming out of L.A., uh, the Dodgers have been viewed as the gold standard organization now for a decade, or at least since Andrew Friedman got his claws on the roster. Um, Dodgers fans hate Dave Roberts, the same level of vitriol. The Yankee fans hate Aaron Boone. It's almost the same thing. It's like, do we think he's the problem? No, but are we winning with him? No. So why is he still here? Can't we figure this out? 
we have Mookie Betts, we have Freddie Freeman, you have Aaron Judge, you have Garrett Cole. Like, why can't we piece this together? Uh, Andrew Friedman called this an organizational failure this year at a press conference mm. uh, on a Tuesday. It's Tuesday night, reported past midnight, so on the East Coast. So, so Tuesday night, uh, it's called it an organizational failure, but said we are not going to make major changes. Uh, Dave Roberts will return. The staff will return. Said there's a lot to be proud of about the regular season. Blamed, quote, October theater for their NLDS flops, and then said we have to figure out what of our failures was October theater and what was more legitimate and went deeper. All this to say the Dodgers won the World Series in 2020. If fans want to invalidate it, if opposing fans want to invalidate it, that's fine. It's only been three years since their stuff worked, and now they are stuck in absolute hell of running it back, refusing to address things, bringing elite offensive talents to the postseason and watching them get zero or one hit in the resulting NLDS sweep or loss at the hands of a division rival, and then no changes after what is declared an organizational failure, no appraisal of the process at all, no acknowledgement that the process could be flawed. You, my friends, are becoming the New York Yankees, except with your 60-game title in, in between. Really, really wild stuff. Um, those were for as bad as the Yankees have been in the postseason since 2017. Like the Dodgers have been of the utmost disappointment. Um, constant, constant, you know, running train during the regular season. And then, uh, you know, they lose to the Nationals that year. I know the Nationals were a team of destiny, but they, the, the Dodgers had that series on Clay Kershaw locations. doing relief work. You yeah. don't need to do that at all. No you, need to do that. Yeah, you lose to three wild card teams in the DS. Um, and then you have a star studded team in 2021. Um, and I, you know, I know injuries hurt that roster, but probably need to be better than that. Uh and they barely got by the Giants in the first round. Anyway, they needed they needed it to go to Game Five, and Max Scherzer had to come in and close that game. Um, the Dodgers strike me as a team that is very similar to the Yankees, but they have more uh, they have more credit to their name because of you know the World Series and their decade plus long you know streak of being an actual contender. Whereas the Yankees have oscillated, um, missed the playoffs a couple times. Uh, wild card team, um, not, you know, a couple times, not exactly, you know, even when sometimes when they seem to be going in as a contender, you knew they weren't like they, you knew they weren't a team that was going to roll through the competition. Um, but the Dodgers are seemingly stuck in their own processes and uh, have to deviate in some capacity. Um, I think as time goes on and these failures continue to ha happen, uh, on a 162 game uh, stage, it kind of invalidates the shortened season World Series to an extent. I, I don't, you know, it's a championship. It, it'd be my championship too if, if, uh, if my team won it. But um, I think it would be, it, it would be cowardly to avoid conversations that suggest that hey, maybe playing 162 games is a little bit fucking harder, and then dealing with fans in the stands for. Uh, even at home and on the road and all that pressure, like certainly has, you know, plays a, a giant factor. Um, the Dodgers, you want to talk about, I don't know what I've done. I've convinced myself that like the Dodgers were the model. And then you look at all of their spending and they don't spend. They yeah. traded for Mookie Betts and extended him, which was great. 
Clayton Kershaw was under a $200 million contract years ago. And then ever since what, 2017, it's been short multi-year deals. Mm -hmm. They have not signed a block. They have not signed a starting pitcher in, I don't know how long outside of Trevor Bauer, which was objectively with or without the off-field issues, one of the worst free agent signings ever. He had a four-plus career ERA when he signed with them, and they were giving him 30-plus million a year. Um, they uh, Freddie Freeman was the other one, six-year deal. You look at the rest of the contracts on that team, there was nobody signed beyond 2025. And look, if they're gearing up to do some sort of crazy splurge this offseason, then the criticism will be all for naught. But um, they did not – they willingly did not spend the money when they could have during a very fruitful championship window. Um, I don't know how you let both Corey Seager and Trey Turner go. I understand letting one of them go. Uh, maybe you didn't want to pay Seager all that money because of his injury history. Um, or maybe you wanted Turner on the roster with Seager to make a bona fide unstoppable force, but you can't let two elite shortstops walk walk out of your clutches and then think Gavin Lux is the solution at shortstop with or without, again, with or without the injury. Um, you let Cody Bellinger go and you replace him with a rookie. I know James Outman's uh, season was good, but playoff showed up and he went away. Um, I think again, the trades too, like he made Andrew Freeman made the shirt, the Scherzer uh, Turner deal. But outside of that, what other, what other do you made the Joey Gallo deal with the Yankees? That was objectively terrible. Never really made another, but I think the Jordan Alvarez trade really spooked him since 2017 or what was that? 20. Yeah. It's not Josh field. Yeah. Uh, to get 2016 that, uh, or something. I'm reliever out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that spooked him because ever since then you haven't really seen a trade where the Dodgers like overextended themselves to get that much better. And I know that they've largely had the rosters where it seemed like they were that good, but you look at these last couple of years, like, they downgraded in so many areas and like just thought, you know, the, these injured reliever flyers would work for them. They didn't really, they thought the, the hitting in the postseason would change. It didn't really, they deconstructed their entire culture by letting Kike Hernandez, Jock Peterson, uh, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Corey Seager, all these guys go with re really without a fight. Um, and that's Brian Cashman esque to me, Brian Cashman, We'll let the culture guy lead. Doesn't care. We'll, we'll have no issue with it. Won't consult the players. Um, and I think there it's, it's very Yankees esque with the lack of risk taking the, the, the lack of aggressive spending for a team that has all of those resources. And to me, like partially a lack of um, a feel of the pulse of the clubhouse, because you can't go out in October with those roster, you know, last year was a record setting roster and you lost to a team that had, 22 fewer wins than you during the and regular season rolled, rolled right into the nlcs and got beat got whipped by the phillies like that wasn't yeah. close that wasn't a series nope i don't know it's 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 alarming how similar they're, they're appearing to be and you look you look on social media dodgers fans are not happy about it i know that you know you have some of the you have some of the um you know the the broken record complaints like dave roberts needs to go and it's like dave roberts is a product of the front office they want him there. You know, if, if he wasn't good enough, they, they, you know, Aaron Boone, a product of the Yankees front office, you want Aaron Boone gone. Great. I don't know who's going to be able to manage this team that doesn't have enough pieces that doesn't have, that doesn't have the, the, the October fire that doesn't have a pension to, to come through in the clutch that doesn't, you know, play defense. Well, I don't know what manager changes that. 
No, like outside of maybe Bruce Bochy maneuvering you a couple of wins in the playoffs with genius bullpen or, you know, rotation decisions. I, I don't know what else changes. So Dodgers fans are mad. They think, you know, that there needs to be some sort of momentous change. I don't know what that is for them, but I, I, I think at this point it's it's starting to be eerie, eerily similar to what the Yankees are doing and how they've found a, a lack of success for their standards. And add in the fact that they have harbored these repeated forgiven domestic violence offenders like Julio Arias unexpectedly left in the middle of September and derailed their playoff run this year, but it wasn't his first offense. It was not his first time being booked by cops for doing something aggressive in a public space. And the first time they said, eh, town over, you know, town over everything, yep. whatever, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll rehab him. Domingo Herman. Domingo Herman again, like, well, you know, he ruined Domingo Herman ruined our playoff run in 2019. We didn't have enough pitchers. And he wasn't able to participate after a 15-win season holding it down in the rotation because he got aggressive with a female partner in public in view of Joe Torrey, in view of the league office. And he got the largest suspension under the policy ever distributed at that point. But then when he was able to come off the list, the Yankees said, all right, we believe in the talent of this borderline number five starter. So we're going to bring him back. And he's a family man now. Give me a break. And give me a break with harboring uh, Rios on the Dodgers roster. And it, cut, it came back to bite both teams. At the same time, our oldest Chapman last fall goes home to Miami, ditches the Yankees workouts. Yankees call him up and say, why are you not here? <laughs> guarantee me a spot on the playoff roster. They absolutely cannot do that. And he goes home and he doesn't pitch in the playoffs. And then Scott Efros has Tommy John surgery. And he absolutely would have been on the playoff roster, but he, he threw a baby fit. And in Brian Hoke's book, like we talked about last show, said he was checked out for a while. He was getting tattoos midseason. Like, these are the personalities the Yankees banked on. The Dodgers bank on Arias. The Dodgers bank on Trevor Bauer, who bullies teenage girls on Twitter for no reason. <laughs> his hand apart with a drone. Like, these are the people these big money franchises have relied upon instead of going in alternate directions. It's, Hello, yeah. folks. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Dodgers like, take Harper out of the equation, sure. Why, why not Zach Wheeler? Why not Kyle Schwarber? Why not Nick Castellanos? They were linked him at the trade deadline when the Reds were starting to tear down. Like, you couldn't afford Nick Castellanos? Like, I know maybe you might have to play him out of position because Mookie Betts in right field, but Mookie Betts played half of his games not in right field this year. Yeah, you could have figured something out. And speed, the Andy Martino method. Yeah, the Andy Martino method comes through, comes through here perfectly. I don't know. Like, the Phillies – the Phillies are the easiest to replicate, in my opinion, going back to the initial conversation, because it's just spending money and allocating the resources and figuring it out later. Um, and the Dodgers have done that with one-year flyer options that didn't exactly get the job done or depreciating assets. They, you know, continue, you know, Chris Taylor isn't what he once was. Um, uh, David Peralta just was fine did like you you could have signed a million other outfielders you opted not to jason hayward hit for them you know that's great um but you see you know that they they had they effectively had no bench and championship teams do not do that if if anything you're going to spend on depth you're going to make sure um you're you have that that support in the postseason um and that's something the yankees haven't had either they you know dicking around signing fucking marwin gonzalez last year Thinking that he's gonna like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't understand signing signing guys who are clearly not going to make a difference. Um, 
trying to save a couple bucks when you could just overextend yourself a little bit. I don't know why, like the other thing with this is like you sign the bigger names. It's more merch being fucking sold. Are they not like who is running? It's just the business aspect of it. You sign Kyle Schwarber. There's a million Kyle Schwarber jerseys out there tomorrow. You sign Marvin Gonzalez. No one even hears that. I had a great conversation with a bunch of people today about the – wrote an article about the bench pieces the Yankees could sign to shore up that part of the roster. Veterans, well-respected, bench players, and everybody's like, fucking old guys. They don't need to sign any more old guys. Oswaldo Cabrera into the bench and Stan to the bench. Oh, yeah, that's what a bench is, right? It's just like, oh, let's just put some terrible players on here. Yeah, that'll get it done. Oswaldo will get it done. Yeah, our, our 190 hitting, you know, bench. Oh, in the clutch, here comes Oswaldo for the pinch hit. The 90s Yankees had Tim Raines on the bench. The 90s Yankees had Daryl Strawberry on the bench. Yeah. Your bench needs talent. Your bench needs matchups. Lefty reliever comes in late. Where's your great platoon guy to bring in off the bench? It's not like, hey, we got any 170 hitters at AAA? Can we just <laughs> fill the bench with them? Great. Done. Roster spots aren't important anymore. Let's just put our worst players on the big league bench. Like, some fans need to continue to get a grip. It's a long offseason, folks. <laughs> if the bench is just a bunch of Find bad minor leaguers next year, the Yankees have failed. Yeah, absolutely. Find your grip. Grip it tight right now. Why am I yelling? Oh, that's great. Why am I screaming? You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be screaming. <laughs> is it the Celsius? Is um, it the Celsius? I mean, let, let's talk Jim Bowden briefly because here's another one. Like, so Jim Bowden, former GM Jim Bowden, not in a front office right now, right? He's a former general manager, uh, no longer works with any organizations and writes for the athletic. So anything he writes is just like, hey, this is one old GM's opinion. You know, these teams could use this player. These five teams make sense to me. These players could be involved in trade packages. Sure. Great. It's a fun article to write. It's what he's paid to write. Everybody spent the entirety of the last 48 hours ripping Bowden's trade packages, and they deserve to be laughed at. The Red Sox one was abysmal. Red Sox trade package says the Red Sox should send Alex Verdugo and Tanner Houck and Miguel Blyce for Juan Soto. Miguel Blyce tore his shoulder into pieces this year, didn't play, terrible when he did play. Alex Verdugo is the most hated player internally by the Red Sox on the Red Sox. <laughs> they, they don't want him. You can trade him for Juan Soto? They don't want him. They almost traded him for Clark Schmidt this summer. Juan Soto. And then uh, Tanner Houck, like a four-inning starter. Yeah, that's not a trade. Sorry. Um, And so the Yankees trade is not worth dissecting in that way either. He was like, hey, maybe Pereira, maybe Johnny Brito, maybe Michael King. Probably not. Probably Pereira, probably Trey Sweeney, maybe Peraza. And then look to the Florida Complex League. All these teenagers that are stud prospects of the future. Connor Delgado, Roderick Arias, John Cruz. We've talked about this before. Um, but then you have legions of fans being like, the Yankees are never going to get Juan Soto in exchange for Johnny Brito. And it's like, no kidding. Jim Bowden not in the room. Doesn't matter. Jim Bowden not leading the conversation. Not leading the discussion. Not volleying pieces back and forth. Not involved at all. A 65-year-old man sitting at home. It doesn't matter what names he throws out. <laughs> The most important thing in the article was that the Yankees were connected to Soto and they were connected most prominently, again, in the number one spot. And I don't really care about Jim Bowden's opinion on the matter. I just want to see Yankees and Soto together in as many articles as possible because he is the guy. He's the guy. 
they're not going to be contenders in 2024 unless they get Juan Soto. Maybe they just won't be contenders in 2024, sure. but he's the guy if they want to do it a one-year-over-year makeover. He's the guy. Yeah, and it's another one of those obvious fits, right, where it's just like, just do it. You have, probably have the resources. This is a clear fit talent-wise and um, – uh, you know, I mean, even if he was, even if he was a right-handed hitter, you still do it. Like, but yeah. he perfectly fits with the Yankees need. He played mostly left field uh, this past season. So you can just stick him right out there um, and see how it goes. And then if you want to pay him, you pay him. If not, and it doesn't work out, then you move on. But um, the Yankees better not get in their own way. I do. I agree. I love seeing the links. Um, I hope that there, there's actually sub, sub, some substance to it as opposed to it just being, oh, it's Juan Soto. Oh, it's the Yankees. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, right? Because the Yankees typically don't really do these moves anymore. But um, I hope the Yankees just don't get in their own way and are be like, you know what? Everyone's telling us to do this. We're not going to do it. Why would we do that? Let's do something different. Um, let's overpay for fucking who even is out there this offseason. I don't even know who's out there. I guess, like Brian Reynolds would have been a, to me a contrived move. You know, that yeah. was something we were talking about for so long. Like, yeah, sure, it's a good fit, but couple good years you're really going to give up that much in return for somebody he's who a, he's typically a war star like yeah. you look up at the end of the year and you're like whoa 6.8 war where where did it come from yeah like his 18 homers his 72 rbi it's all defensive like i don't know sure yeah uh, this... last, last year he put up 2.5 with 24 bombs hit 263 113 ops plus good player Not yeah i would take that yeah, I would take it. I wouldn't give up six prospects for that. I mean, yeah. if they did it, great. Sure, you have a good player, but um, there's no need to uh, there's no need to go off the cuff here. If Juan Soto is available, Juan Soto should be your guy. There really shouldn't be many restrictions. I think again, like you, like I think what you said last episode, like AJ Preller knows he's not getting Jason Dominguez and uh, um, Volpe or and Volpe. Yeah, he knows that's he's not. Yeah. Wanted, that's what they wanted for Reynolds. Like, yeah, no, no. And, um, these trade packages from Bowden are obviously like, whatever, like it's uh, sure. They're not going to look exactly like they are They're They're it's, it's a bit of an underpay for almost all. I mean, it's a pretty big over underpay for all these teams, but Some Red Sox fans are, are on like day three of their mountain dew binge eyes, red bloodshot sitting in front of their home computer their mom is like, come upstairs, Johnny. Your uncle is here. And he's like, Mom, I'm still tweeting about Jim Bowden's Juan Soto package. It's ridiculously low, Mom. Like, some Red Sox fans are, can you believe Johnny Brito's in it? Yes, honey. You told me that yesterday at breakfast. I'm yes, really worried about you. You're, you're growing rodent teeth. <laughs> Dinner's ready, honey. I'm trying to get the upvotes on Reddit. Come on. People need oh, to this know. Area is 428. It's not even applicable. <laughs> Some people are telling me Brian Bayo's ERA is similar. They don't know ball. Okay, son. All right. The Reverend is outside. He wants to see you. He's worried about you. <laughs> the Reverend's here to perform an exorcism. Uh, <laughs> He's beyond saving. We can't do it. <laughs> Either way, like whatever the trade packages are, that's what they are. I think it's important that the Yankees are merely linked. I think that they should know that – I think part of it – part of what needs to happen this offseason too is like – Hal Steinbrenner claiming he knows what's wrong. I hope Hal Steinbrenner has watched any baseball over the last two weeks. Does he like he, it? Does he like? Does it? he like it? I don't know. But if he's watched any baseball over the last two weeks, 
he would know that there are many fireable offenses for his entire front office over the last six years. And I'm not saying fire them now, but it should be some sort of a siren for him to be like, guys, I'm watching all these fucking teams do better than us when they shouldn't be because we, we should either a have some of these players or b instill different practices. Like a lot of these other franchises did over the course of the last five, six years to make sure that they were in a better position, fucking fix it now. And that should be the meeting. And if you have to fire a couple people, you have to fire a couple people, whatever it is. But if he's watch, if he's watching inning of any of these games and he sees the final four teams remaining, even the Braves, like, yeah, sure. The Braves got dumped in the NLDS, whatever. The Dodgers got dumped in the NLDS, whatever. Their regular seasons were night and day compared to the Yankees. Their lineup constructions, night and day. Their pitching staffs, night and day. Outside of, I guess, the Yankees' bullpen was pretty good. Um, but there, there needs to be some sort of realization. And Soto, obvious fit. These countless other players on all these other contending rosters, obvious fits. They can't let another obvious fit. Fall, uh, fall, you know, fall out of their uh, fingertips if it's available. Especially since Boston is certainly lurking, they're not going to be able to get away with a Verdugo trade, yeah. but they might make a Juan Soto trade. So sure. you can't let them do it. They're not going to have to give up Martello Meyer to do it. You're not going to have to give up Dominguez to do it. Just get it done. Get it done. Uh, and you're not going to have to give up Volpe either, who is uh, Anthony Volpe and Anthony Rizzo became Gold Glove finalists. This week, Anthony Rizzo played 99 games at the first base position this year. I don't get it. I don't get that one at all. Uh, But Gold Glove finalist has never meant less to me, especially after this list of Gold Glove finalists that came out. It's just, it's like, name three famous players at X position. Like, shortstop, Anthony Volpe was actually very good this year. He rates, uh, he and Carlos Correa, it's the finalists are Volpe, Correa, and Corey Seager. Corey Seager, not really a defense-first guy, but a very famous shortstop. Carlos Correa, great instincts. The metrics aren't there. The Volpe, the metrics are there, but shocked that a Yankee rookie with all the errors that he made was one of the final three. Bobby Wood Jr. seems like a better finalist to me. It didn't really go by any of the advanced metrics that we have, and it clearly didn't go by fielding percentage either. But if Volpe is in the group with those dudes, he, he should win. He and Correa are tied in outs above average. He is way ahead of Correa in defensive run saved and UZR. Uh, the fan graphs people love the amount of ground Volpe covered. He doesn't have the arm strength of a Correa, but he clearly makes up for it with better range and was able to utilize his arm strength best through defensive positioning and instincts and quick twitch ability. Um, so he wouldn't make my final three. I don't know who would. I don't think he was a, a, a top three defender in short this year. The fact that he's even in the conversation is very impressive. And uh, if he doesn't win, it'll actually be unexpected. He probably is the favorite at this point, even though he might not even deserve the nomination. Yeah, it's crazy. This is weird. Um, I don't. Again, I don't know how Rizzo's on this list. Congratulations, but um, I mean, right. I know Castle like the first base. I'm like, all right. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, part of the reason Volpe's on this list is because Wander Franco cannot be. That um, is true. So that's one. Uh, cause I'm just looking at this. I'm looking at the, uh, fan graphs page now with all of the, uh, all of the advanced metrics. Um, 
Royals fans were complaining Bobby Witt Jr. was not on here. Um, I don't know the differences between these fucking stats. How can you be so low in outs above average and so high in defensive run saves and vice versa? They're all gibberish. Anybody yeah. who like stands on a mountaintop and is like, I believe in any of these stats, like you're yeah. lying to yourself. No, you don't. Be- because the disparity between Volpe's DRS and OAA and Bobby Witt's DRS and OAA, you flip them. So I don't know how that makes one less valuable than the other. Seems like if you're saving runs and you're punching out outs above average, you're it's the same. It's a very similar, it's a very similar uh, accomplishment. Um, Correa is on here because of his name. He did not have a good defensive season. If you were to look at any of these metrics, negative in DRS and OAA, and he cited DRS as a reason why he's better than Derek Jeter. Um, and his just defensive rating was three point five, which was sixteenth in all of the league. So. That doesn't even make you a finalist anywhere. Um, I don't know. It's it's not even done by MLB, so I don't really. I never really valued Gold Glove too much. I think if you just have a good defensive season, you fucking hang your head on that, and you and you you go to sleep, and you know that you have good players. Um, it'd be nice if Anthony Volpe won. I think at I guess at this point, like probably does have the edge over these guys. Like where is Seager here? I don't even see Seager in the top 20 for defensive rating. I don't see Seager. Seager is ninth for defensive run saves with five. That's 10 short of Volpe. And he is negative two and outs above average where Volpe is plus one. I I don't know. I don't know how to read through this. I thought Volpe had a good year at shortstop. A lot of improvements still need to be made. Um, Overall, I was pleased with his defense. Um, The errors are going to happen, especially in your first season. It'd be a nice win for us. It'd be a nice little win for us. We're probably not going to get it, though. Yeah, no. Um, uh, he's the least famous of the three people, and he's a Yankee, and his numbers are fine. Not great. So we're probably not going to get it. But congratulations to Anthony. Uh, Anthony times two. Congrats to Anthony squared on the gold glove. Nom. Um, yeah. I'm sure Red Sox fans will be tweeting ad nauseum for what is today, Thursday afternoon. So until, <laughs> next, uh, until next Thursday, probably, about how Volpe – uh, was inferior to Trevor Story's 38-game sample at shortstop, and the arm strength is disqualifying. And then, again, the Reverend will be upstairs saying, there's nothing we can do. You should probably just put him down. It's not worth uh, not worth having him live on this planet if he's going to be making these arguments online for 26 hours a day, two more hours per day than there are in a day. Uh, but shout-out to the Anthonys. Good job. Good job, Yankees. Good job getting recognized, and hopefully it's just the first of many. And uh, maybe Oswald Peraza is next year's Gold Glove finalist at short instead. That might be cool. Sure. Um, in the National League for the Padres. After <laughs> or Juan Soto. Uh, that is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Thanks for joining us at 2 o'clock Eastern. We're here every Monday. We're here every Thursday. We're going to vary it up a little this offseason going live. Whenever needed, we'll go live during the winter meetings. We will go nuts all offseason long once things actually get exciting. Once the playoffs are wrapped, once hopefully the Houston Astros are gone, we can get back to talking about the New York Yankees after the New York Yankees are actually active. Uh, you can find me on Twitter or X at Adam Weiner, Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We're both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account. But you don't know if it's official because there's no check mark anymore. But yeah, find us those. at Yanks Go Yard FS. Um, appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Uh, head on over to YanksGoYard.com. Tons and tons and tons of off-season content. You wouldn't believe there's this much, but guess what? We're finding it, we're mining it, and we're creating it, and you're going to read it. You're going to enjoy it. Um, 
Appreciate all the support, Fernando. Do not get fired, please. Don't do that. Don't do that. Meeting in four minutes. Good luck, buddy. Uh, we wish you the best. Otherwise, uh, you guys have a great weekend. Um, wish Adam a happy birthday. His birthday was uh, two days ago. Two days ago. Uh, we didn't mention that on Monday. I don't know why. I don't um, know. I mean, I, I don't think I let a lot of people. I don't do. We don't do birthday apps on the Yanks Go Yard podcast. We but should. I, we, we should probably. Uh, I got in Java. I got audio of uh, Curtis Granderson wished me happy birthday because the uh, our old friend Jason, who's been on the show before, uh, Jason Taylor brokered it. And he told Curtis Granderson it's Adam's birthday. And Curtis is like, hey, enjoy the birthday, man. And it was very earnest, but I still was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> the interview short. Don't talk about my birthday. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for the love. Obviously. Yeah, baby. Uh, enjoy the Celsius. Uh, happy birthday, Fernando, too. Monday's a good one. Uh, yeah, baby. Fernando's Harvard's birthday. Uh, and then I share it with nobody. Mickey Mantle's coming up. Uh, got a fun birthday trip this weekend, so hopefully we can enjoy that. And we'll get back to it on Monday. I'll be a little hungover, maybe. Uh, several day hangover, potentially. Or just up all night because this dog is a menace to society. And uh, sleeps every sleeps for like an hour. How, how do you weigh in in the comments below? How do you get a dog to sleep? How do you calm it's a dog quick. down after it wakes up? What do you do? CBD. You get the. He's just. It seems like he's just getting his REM cycles, and then he's getting up and he's ready to go. That's exactly um, what he's doing. You you go to the crate, and he's not like making a noise or disturbance, but he's just standing up in it, staring at you, and you're like, how long have you been? How long have you been doing that? Um, Benadryl, yeah, Benadryl is, yeah, you can you can do Benadryl for sure. I've done that before. Yeah. yeah. Human trials and dogs. We're gonna we're gonna test it on the podcast. We'll let you guys know. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern live right here. Enjoy. Shout out. We'll see you on Monday. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.